Well, let's take our Bible tonight and turn to Acts chapter number 22. Acts chapter number 22, if you would please, the latter part of that. And then we'll go right into chapter number 23 here this evening. The title of the message here in our series, the book of Acts, a series entitled, A Church for His Name. That's what we ought to desire to be. That's what He saved us to be, is a church for His name. And so tonight, the sermon title is, We Witness While God Works. We Witness While God Works. And so let's look now at chapter 22 and beginning in verse number 22. Acts 22 and verse 22. And they gave him audience, speaking of uh, Paul, and they gave him audience unto this word, the word Gentiles. And then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air. The chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging, that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. And they bound him with thongs. And Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Then the chief chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? And he said, Yea. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, But I was freeborn. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Then straightway they departed from him which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman because he had bound him on the morrow because he would have known the certainty whereof, wherefore rather he was accused of the Jews. He loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priest and all their council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the chief, the high priest, Ananias, commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. Hello. I mean, if you get hit in the mouth, what might you say? For thou, thou sittest, or sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? You get what Paul's saying? Rather hypocritical, don't you think? Yeah. And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then Paul, then said Paul, I wist not, brethren, that it was the high priest. For it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope of the hope and resurrection of the dead am I called in question. And when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Isn't that awesome? And the multitude was divided, for the Sadducees said, or say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees' part arose and strove, saying, We find no evil with this man. <laughs> they started defending him. But if a spirit or an angel hath spoken to him, let us not fight against God. 
And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Let's keep reading here tonight. I realize you're standing, but can we just keep going? And uh, we won't read during the uh, message itself. It says in verse 12, And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And there were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now, therefore, ye with the counsel signify to the chief captain that he bring him down to you tomorrow, as though you would inquire something more perfectly concerning him. And we, or ever he come near, before he gets here, are ready to kill him. And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, Bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he hath a certain thing to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul the prisoner called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee, who hath something to say to thee. And then the chief captain took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and asked him, What is it that thou hast to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to... Have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring Paul tomorrow into the council, as though they would inquire something somewhat of him more perfectly. But do not thou yield unto them, for there lie in wait for him more than forty men which have bound themselves with an oath, that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now are they ready, looking for a promise from thee. So the chief captain then let the young man depart and charged him, See, thou tell no man that thou showedest these things to me. And he called unto him two centurions, saying, Make ready two hundred soldiers to go to Caesarea, and a horseman threescore and ten, seventy, and spearmen two hundred. And the third hour of the night, they're going to leave. So there's 470 soldiers and one Baptist preacher. And provide them bees that they may set Paul on and bring him safe unto Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter after this manner, Claudius Lysias, unto the most excellent governor Felix sendeth greeting. This man was taken of the Jews and should have been killed of them. Then came I with an army and rescued him, having understood that he was a Roman. (laughs) Okay, some of you caught that. He made it sound like I knew all along that he was a Roman. Well, he fudged a little bit there, but. And when I would have known the cause wherefore they accused him, I brought him forth into the council, in their council, whom I perceived to be accused of questions of their law, but to have nothing laid to his charge worthy of death or of bonds. And when it was told me how that the Jews laid wait for the man, I sent straightway to thee and gave commandment to his accusers also to say before thee what they had against him. Farewell. Then the soldiers... As it was commanded them, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. And on the morrow, they left this, the horsemen go with him and returned to the castle, 
who, when they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle to the governor, presented Paul also before him. And when the governor had read the letter, he asked of what province he was. And when he understood that he was of Cilicia, uh, he said, I, I will hear thee, said he, when thine accusers are also come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's judgment hall. I realize that's a lot of reading. Um, but it all works together as a unit. And I think you'll be encouraged tonight that we witness while God works. We witness while God works. May God bless his word as you're seated. We'll get right into the message tonight. There are times it may seem difficult to keep going in your service to the Lord. It's just a fact of serving God. I believe there's times when maybe you would not feel appreciated. Times when you're not sure exactly how things are going to work out. Times maybe when those you're trying to reach, you're running into difficulty and working with them. Times when you might feel like you're alone. Times when you're seeing limited results. So tonight, we're going to see what happens when you just remain faithful. What happens when you just remain faithful and be in a witness as God has called you to be a witness. Tonight, I'm, I, as I've already mentioned a couple times, referring to the title of the message in this way, we witness while God works. We witness while God works. Now, with that, I have a little bit of a double meaning to that. We witness while God works. Okay, on one hand, that would mean this. We witness, we proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ while God works. But then also, uh, the dual meaning to that would be this. We witness, we observe, while God works. And both are true. As we witness, we witness God work. You got it? We witness, as we witness, we witness God work. Now, I I believe you got the gist of the story, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, just rehashing it all. I trust that the reading gave you some explanation. I'm going to make some explanation along the way. Um... But I believe that as we see that and we see that God worked providentially, it ought to be an encouragement to us. Paul followed God's will in going to Jerusalem. We've covered that in previous messages. And even though he was in God's will, he was misunderstood, he was misrepresented, and he was even mistreated by the Jews of his day. And we've come to this conclusion. There's going to be times when you know you're doing God's will that somebody's going to misunderstand your motives. You may even be misrepresented. You may even be mistreated. What should you do? Well, just keep going. Just keep serving the Lord. Just keep doing what you know to be the will of God. And so when Paul, as we saw last week, when he had an occasion to speak to those who were mistreating him, he was not disrespectful even though they were disrespectful to him. He uh, showed them love. Why? Because he'd been shown such great and immense amount of love from God He wanted to show them the love of God. And also he's doing this. Uh, He has received mercy from the Lord. He's showing them mercy even as they've mistreated him. And so quite a lesson as we considered last week, showing love to those who express hate to you. And certainly there's more that could be said there. But just by way of review, that's what we covered. In other words, being a Christian gives you a whole new way of dealing with conflict. And it ought to be a a God-honoring, Christ-centered way. But Paul is also doing this. He's making it very clear to them 
that I'm not doing this of my own accord. This is not some plan that I have devised, but rather it is God who sent me to the Gentiles. So if you have a problem with me going to the Gentiles, it's not a problem with me, it's the problem you have with God because he's the one that's sending on that mission. Okay, that's, that's what Paul is conveying. But they didn't like it when he mentioned those people. You know, those people, we, there's still some of those people here tonight. Well, we're all pretty much those people. In that context, the Gentiles. But you know, even in our modern times, even Christians can get that mentality. Oh, we don't need to deal with those people. I'm telling you, when we get that mentality, God can't work in our church. I just want to throw that out here tonight for all of us to be reminded about it, that, that we need to have the mentality. It's not those people in us. It's people, people that God loves. All different backgrounds, all different intellects, all different, you know, uh, th- on and on we could go about the differences. But really, when it all boils down, it's just people. Just recently I heard about a, a pastor who had been winning people to Christ and, and he would win, win somebody out there. He's knocking doors in an area, you know, the, of a lower income area and, and a rather large area like that. And so he's seeing people saved and, and he, he's trying to get them to come to be baptized. But he could not, he just couldn't, even though he spent time and they indicated, yes, we'll be there. He just couldn't even get them to come. I mean, this went on for months as he gave me testimony and said, finally, I, I found out what happened. He said, I went to some of them that I'd led to Christ and I asked him, so you said that you'd come and I followed up and, and you've indicated that, but, but you've never showed up. Why is that? He said, well, some of the members from your church came and said that you said it'd be better for them to go to this church over here. He said, oh, really? Uh, okay. appreciate that. So he went to them. And here was, the, here was the mentality. Listen, preacher, we don't want those people in our church. That's, that's a shame. May God help us to reach people, whatever background they're in, and bring them in here and show them the love of God. And so that, that was the mentality of the Jews then. But if we're not careful, that same mentality can creep into our thinking just because somebody makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable and uh, you stay around anybody any length of time, eventually you're going to get uncomfortable around your own wife and family. <laughs> Not giving a personal testimony. I'm just trying to say, eventually, every one of us is going to get uncomfortable some way. Okay, that didn't go exactly like I had it. All right. So, anyways, here's the, here's the gist. The chief captain, he's trying to figure out what in the world. I mean, I really, my heart goes out to the guy. You know, this, this Claudius Lysias, he's, he's trying to get to the bottom of exactly what happened. You remember he's coming up to the castle. I really appreciate this being constructed for the illustration tonight. I mean, this is just great. Thank you so much. And, and so he brought him up. He's bringing him to the castle. Paul stops him while he's on the steps and, and he asks, would it be okay if I said a word to the folks there? And he said, do you speak Greek? You know, he was surprised that he spoke Greek, being a, being a Hebrew. And, and he said, are you that, that he, uh, revolutionary Ethiopian, or what, where was he from, Egyptian? Are you that revolutionary that came in here and caused some trouble? And, and Paul explained that he wasn't him. And he said, well, here, go ahead. If you can settle this thing, then please, by all means, do so. And everything was going great for a while. I mean, the mob was silent. Remember that? Everybody was listening up to a point. 
Just this past week, I, I was sharing with Angie that I was listening to a radio program, Alistair Begg. You may or may not have ever heard of him. He's from Scotland. I just love to listen to him because I love his brogue, you know, his, uh, his accent and everything. And, and he, he was preaching out of this exact passage. I'm telling you, I mean, this is kind of an obscure passage. And I thought, this is so ironic. I'm going to hear what this guy had to say. And, and so it was really good how he's walking through it. He said, I can just imagine this guy coming home to his wife and his wife asking him, so tell me, how did work go today? And he said, well, you know, I arrested this man, but I'm not exactly as sure exactly as to why. I tried to give him a, a opportunity to speak to everybody and everything was going great up to a certain point. He said a certain word and I didn't understand it because he spoke, of course, Greek. He didn't speak Hebrew. He said it was something like goyim and, and I, I'm pretty sure that means like Gentile, but why would they be upset with us as Gentiles? <laughs> Okay, you didn't get that, but, but why would they be upset with us? And so I'm just imagining. So he said, you know, it didn't, it didn't even work to let him speak because that just made more unrest. I had to save his life again. And so he said, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to give him a jolly good beating. I'm going to beat him real good. That's what he said with the Scottish accent. I'm going to give him a really good beating. I'm going to beat the truth out of him. Well, that's not going to work because he's a Roman citizen. You can't beat Roman citizens. So in any case, I mean, this guy's really trying. I just, my heart just goes out to him. He's trying to get to the bottom of this. As Paul asked him, what are you about to do? Do you know that I'm a Roman citizen? And he had not been condemned. And so all this story is just unfolding. And it seems like everything is chaotic. Does it not to you? Just imagine this man trying to explain to his wife, this has been crazy. You know, it was going great, then it went worse, and then I thought I'd beat him. I found out he's a Roman soldier, and, and so then I thought, well, I'm going to bring him before everybody else, and that didn't work, so finally I'm getting rid of him. You know, it's just a bad day at the office. So, any case, once it's determined that he was a Roman uh, citizen, he couldn't be scourged, beaten, and so he decides to do this. Let's come back to our story here a little bit. He he says, okay, I'm going to bring in the Jewish council. So he brings in the Jewish council, and then Paul stands before them. And the Bible says he looks intently at them. And then he says this, that he has a clear conscience. You know, it's important for you and I, isn't it, to have a clear conscience before God. I've had a clear conscience before God. He's not being proud. He's not saying I'm without sin. He's just simply saying, I, I have a clear conscience before God. I heard about a man who consulted his, his doctor. He said, I've been misbehaving and my conscience is just troubling me, something fierce. And so the doctor said, so you want me uh, to give you something that will strengthen your willpower? He said, no, rather I was thinking about something that would weaken my conscience. And so <laughs> it needs to be the other way, of course. <clears throat> a man named uh, Leo Tolstoy said this, the antagonism between life and conscience may be removed in two ways, by a change of life or by a change of conscience. But God wants us to have a good, clear conscience and a godly life. And so Paul here, he does, he has a clear conscience. There's not any reason, anything he's done against their law. The high priest Ananias, who Josephus, the Jewish historian, said this about this man named Ananias, that he was insolent, hot-tempered, profane, and greedy. And so all of a sudden, Ananias motions and has Paul struck and smitten in the mouth. Paul responded promptly, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. 
You say, was, was Paul just uh, responding quickly there? You know, so much of this, we may not be able to be too dogmatic about what it was. But we can't forget, Paul was a man like you and I. And uh, he could get fired up about things just like you and I have. And remember, Paul even himself said, the things that I do, I would not. This might have been one of those times. So he got popped in the mouth. He said, God will smite you too, you whited wall. <laughs> now, that's not giving you and I license to go ahead and just do that. He said, well, Paul did it. No, no, no. And Paul had a point. Paul said, it's, uh, it's wrong for you. It's hypocritical of you. To act like you're caring about the law, and yet you're smiting me contrary to the law. The law says I'm not to be smitten until I'm proven guilty. But here you are saying you care so much about the law, and yet you're violating the law. And they said, don't you know that's the high priest? And Paul says, I didn't know it. Okay, now there's all kinds of commentary on that. You read five commentaries, you're getting ten answers. Did he know or did he not know? I'm just going to take it what he said. He didn't know that was the high priest. Why not? I don't know. It doesn't say. He just said, I don't know. I didn't know that was the high priest. I mean, it may be that as they, they were pulled in there, that all the priests may have been looking alike, and Paul had been gone a long time. He didn't recognize him. I don't know. Was it his poor eyesight? I'm not sure. But in any case, he's called him a whited wall. That he was. He was. He looked good on the outside. But here in just a few uh, in just a few minutes, he's going to be conspir- he's going to be going into a conspiracy with liars and murderers. That's a whited wall. And so, in any case, Paul though retracts the statement and says, I, "I wish not. I didn't realize that it was the the high priest, for it is written." And Paul knows the word of God says you're not supposed to speak against the ruler of your people. And so Paul gets it right. Hey, listen, you know, as we deal with conflict. There's going to be times somebody says something to you, and man, your first answer would be a pop in the mouth back, and a jolly good one at that, you know? I mean, that's going to to be what you feel like you're saying or doing. And there may be times you say things you shouldn't say. What do you do then? Well, you just just get it right. And and Paul said, I I shouldn't have said that, and and he got it right. As sinners, we're always going to be either needing forgiveness or giving forgiveness. That was Paul. Okay, how about we go on here? Um, Paul then realizes that this is not going to go anywhere good. It's not like justice is going to be done. Do you get what he's saying? Do you get his idea here? It's not like they're really trying to figure out whether I'm guilty or not. So he perceived Pharisees, Sadducees. Right now would be a good time for a good theological debate. <laughs> of the hope of the resurrection, am I called into question? The Pharisee said, he's one of us. He believes in the resurrection. The Sadducees were sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. They said, see, I knew this man was to be condemned. So he divided them. The contingency became so, so intense once again that Claudius Lysias said, I better save him again. I keep saving this guy. And so he had to literally pull him away because they were going to pull him in pieces. And so then he brought him into custody. And as we read, 
At the same time, there's a conspiracy of 40 Jews, whether it was ones from Asia or elsewhere. 40 Jews banded themselves together and said, we're not going to eat, we're not going to drink until we kill Paul. Well, they still haven't eaten and drinking. They didn't get him. They said, we're not going to eat and we're not going to drink until we've taken his life. So they needed somehow to work this out because, of course, he's in the castle. And so they go to the high priest and the other rulers and they say, listen, why don't you ask him to come before you one more time? I'm sure that Claudius will allow for this. You bring him before you one more time and before he ever gets to you, we'll we'll take his life. Amazingly, and the idea would be this, the high priest cooperated with him. That shows two things. One, he is a whited wall. Two, it would be this. He realized, I don't have a case against this man. You get that? He realized, I am dealing with a person who is innocent. I am dealing with someone who has not broken the law, but I want him removed. And so he's willing to cooperate with lying murderers to see Paul killed. Well, at the same time, it just so happened, just coincidentally, just by coincidence, Paul's sister's son, his nephew, came. And, and evidently, Claudius Lysias was allowing Paul to have a measure of, of guests and visitors there. And so his nephew was there, and he overheard them conspiring against Paul and went and told Paul what was being conspired. And then Paul said, well, go and tell my good friend, the chief captain, by this point, Paul probably is feeling like this man can be trusted. Go tell him what's going on. And that's exactly what happened. And so the chief captain then goes to work immediately to arrange a nighttime departure for Paul. I want to say to you that Paul was an expert at escape. He'd been through a few already. So this was not new terrain for Paul at Secret Escapes. 200 soldiers, 200 spearmen, 70 horsemen, 470 soldiers to protect one Baptist preacher. The providential work of God. He sends a letter, sends him on his way, and God worked it out. Oh, I guess I skipped a very, very important part, didn't I? Pardon me. That night as he was in the, in the castle, the Lord Jesus stood by Paul. What an important part. I'm sorry that I just ran over that. What an important part that Paul had the Lord there in his very presence to comfort him. Have you ever been in one of those times of trials or even conflicts or difficulties and the Lord just showed up at the right time? Now, maybe he didn't show up like he did here physically where we could see him, but you know when the Lord speaks to you. And he said, Paul, be of good cheer. I'm with you and I'm going to bring you to Rome. Here were 40 men, 40 men conspiring, taking, listen, taking matters into their own hands. But there was one hand they had not thought about. And they were working against God. And so God is telling him, you're going to stand, Paul, before, before Rome and the, the officials that are there. I imagine Paul went back to sleep that night and slept real well. And I imagine many nights after that, he was just trusting God's going to take care of me. And that's exactly what God did. I read this week in a missionary letter these words. He quoted uh, Albert Einstein, who is credited with saying, Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. God was most definitely at work behind 
the saints. Paul was faithful as a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul was faithful as a witness, and God worked to do what Paul could never accomplish. We witness while God works. We witness while God works. Paul, how many people do you think you saw saved? I didn't see any saved that I saved, but God saved a good number of them. Well, what did you do? I just stood and preached. I just went door to door. I just went person to person. I found some by a riverside. I found some in jail. And I just witnessed to them. And God worked. We witness as God works. What about all those churches that were starting? That's God's work. I witnessed people were saved. They were baptized. But God did the, gave the increase. We witness while God works. How about that story of your nephew? Yeah, that was amazing. He just happened to be at the right place at the right time because God had him at the right place at the right time. We witness while God works. I like what one man said about Paul. It's unlikely that if Paul had journeyed as a part of a missionary outreach to Rome, that was his desire, I want to go to Rome. If he had, if he had journeyed as a part of a missionary outreach to Rome on his own, such a high-level audience would, would have been impossible. It is one of the mysteries of God and His providence that many times we cannot see why things are happening as they are, yet God is surely at work in ways we could not have planned for ourselves. Isn't that good? Amen. That we witness while God works. You think about it. Paul trying to go to Rome and going to Rome. Could he have arranged a meeting with, with Nero? Could he have arranged a meeting with the high officials of Rome? No, he couldn't do that, but God did. He brought him before them. We witness while God works. How does that apply to our lives? Well, here's what we've got to do. We've just got to be faithful, church. Be faithful. Faithful every day, everywhere, to every person that God brings into our contact to be faithful, to give a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ by way of the gospel. We witness, and let's let God do the work. Amen. Let's let God do the work. What are we doing out in Shawnee? We're just trying to witness. Just trying to spread the gospel. We witness while God works. And we've seen God work. Tomorrow morning... Brother Ted's already got us singing the B-I-B-L-E. He's fired up about it. Ready to go. We're all going to get involved as best we can. What are we going to do? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to witness. We've got to let God work. Amen. Only God can save a child. Amen. Only God can help a child understand. Let's witness and let God work. Do what you know to be God's will and let God work behind the scenes. Do what you know to be God's work and let God work behind the scenes. You know what will happen? You'll have a clear conscience. You know what will happen? You'll see God at work. Hey, doesn't this apply to parenting? All we, all we can do is I'm going to do what I know God said to do as a parent and then let God work in the hearts of those children. We, we obey while God works. In marriage, do what is right in marriage and let God do the work that you can't do. 
And in times of contention, as it is here in this context, just do what you know to be right. Make, base your choices on truth and principle rather than convenience and personality. Confess where you've been wrong and then let God work where you can't work. Answer God's call on your life and let God work out the details. I'm reading right now the, uh, the biography written by Miss Effie Donaldson, Effie Donaldson, about her husband, Fred Donaldson, the first missions director of the Baptist Bible Fellowship International. And, and uh, in fact, the book is called They Call Him Mr. Missions. It's a great account. I'm enjoying it. And um, in fact, he was pastoring in the Chicago, Illinois area, and, and God worked and brought a lady in, and her, her husband had just passed away. They were missionaries in China. Her name was Mrs. Sweet. And uh, she shared her burden for China with the Donaldsons back in about the 1930s. I believe it was 1932. And she shared that burden about, about China uh, to this pastor as he was there. Her husband had passed away, and everybody advised her, you really shouldn't go back to the field. But she said, you know, I knew God called us to the field, and there's works there that need, need attention, and I'm willing to go. And, but she knew that the work needed a, a missionary man to lead in that. I just want to read this, uh, just a little account to you. It's really a blessing. Uh, Miss Donaldson says this, God began to speak with both of us, and we separately knew that God wanted us in China. However, it was not until the following Sunday morning, this was after they just met with Mrs. Sweet, it was not until after the following Sunday morning when Mr. Donaldson felt it difficult to preach his prepared sermon and laid aside his notes to announce, I believe God is doing a work in our midst and desires some of us to make a new surrender to his will. It was then that we met at the altar and surrendered our lives for the mission field, although we had not previously talked it over. Can you imagine? And then Miss Sweet returned to the field of China because she wished to make, you know, preparations there. And she wrote a letter to him, to Mr. Donaldson, and said this, We are praying for you, and we are praying that you will bring a car with you when you come to China. He said, We had planned no equipment list. In fact, a couple of boxes and a few suitcases contained all that we thought we dared to take. Our car was a little worn out, a Model A Ford, driven 50,000 miles. And of course, it would be unfit for such an assignment. But then it talks about how that he was disturbed over this request and went to his room and opened his Bible to Romans chapter 15 and verse 6 and read that we may with one mouth, with one mind and one mouth glorify God. He seemed to feel that it was the answer and that he was to agree with those that were praying there on the field of China. So we also prayed and thank the Lord. Listen to this and thank the Lord for the car that we knew that he was going to provide within a few days. After he returned home from a preaching trip, he received a telephone call from a man in Minnesota of whom he had never heard. This man said, the Lord has told me that I'm to give you my new Ford F, or sorry, my new F-150, no, not, <laughs> not in 1930 something, sorry. My new Ford V8 car to take with you to China. If you will meet with me in some place, I will turn it over to you. This was a new experience to us, she said, and we couldn't understand how he even knew about us. But this was one of those miracle answers to prayer. 
that we were to learn more about as we traveled the missionary road. What a wonderful Savior is Jesus our Lord. We witness while God works. We witness while God works. I've read that. I'm reading a little bit more about his life as he lived by faith. And I think, man, I want to see God work like that. When we see God work like that, we've got to live like that. We witness while God works. What a great way to live. What should you do? Do what you know to be God's will. Let God work out all the details. Whatever it is in your life, whatever difficult circumstance, whatever challenge, whatever uncertainty lies in your future, just do what you know to be the will of God and let God work out the details. You say that's easy for a preacher to say. It even sounds good in preaching. Well, it's true. And we've seen it work in the life of Paul and so many others of modern times even that as we just do the will of God, let's just let him take care of the details. And he can do it. Father, we thank you tonight. We have an opportunity beginning tomorrow to witness, to work, but we know that we need your help. Lord, would you uh, help us to witness while you work? And Father, in other areas of life, there are circumstances beyond our control in many ways. And Lord, we just want to be faithful to you. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ here tonight that as they obey your call on their life, wherever it, wherever it is that they're serving in whatever circumstance they're in, that they would be minded to do your will, to obey, just like Paul did here. And it's amazing to us how that you used his nephew and how that you used even his Roman citizenship and how that you used various things to work it out. And then you appeared to him and you spoke to him comforting words and assured him that he would make it to Rome and give witness. And so, Father, we thank you for times when you speak to us by your word. And, Lord, what a blessing. Thank you for it. And I pray you'd help us tonight just to just to do what we know to be your will. In Jesus' name, amen.